gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then, well then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 62, the review segment for Friday, March 13th, 2015. Friday the 13th. You know, spooky. You know what everyone thinks about for Friday the 13th is Cinderella. Spooky Cinderella. <laughs> totally makes sense. I mean, Helena Bottom Carter's in it. She's, you know, witch-like. Naturally spooky. Sure, naturally Although spooky. Although in this uh, movie, I feel like she's making a statement like, look, I'm not just Tim Burton's. I'm not married to Tim Burton anymore. Toy. Oh, yeah. Were, they not, oh, were they not married? No, they were never married. They just have parted. Their separation oh. has gone more separate. I don't, I don't know. It makes me sad. Too bad. Okay, Cinderella. Directed by Kenneth Branagh, of all people. Uh, starring Lily James of Wrath of the Titans fame. Or maybe Downton Abbey. I think Downton Abbey is the more recognizable I, one for I've other never people. seen Downton Abbey. I've only seen Neither have I. Have you you no. haven't seen a single episode? No, never. Wow. What's wrong with us? They had a dog named Isis though, just like your cat. Oh, and that whole terrorist group thing. Yeah, and then the dog died. That was, was a statement. Terror. A statement about terrorism. <laughs> and Downton Abbey took a firm stand against ISIS. Good, I'm glad. How did that not make headlines? <sighs> I think it did. Downton Abbey circles. does not support ISIS. Uh, it also stars Richard Madden of Game of Thrones, also known as Rob Stark, uh, as the prince. Um, it is a live-action Cinderella that is uh, pretty firmly inspired by the uh, 50s Disney cartoon. Like, it's got a mouse named Gus Gus, and uh, I think there's a dream that it, uh, there's a song kind of reference in the score, I believe. Um, and it's just basically the exact same story, which is the Cinderella story that all of us grew up knowing. And you kind of go into it thinking, like, how are they going to make just a straightforward Cinderella story where all of us know the ending and not, like, twist it around? Like, you think of Maleficent, where they change what you know about Sleeping Beauty and Maleficent is the heroine. And um, you think about Into the Woods, which just came out a couple of months ago, also released by Disney, oddly enough, in which Cinderella is a completely different character. Uh, but this Cinderella is indeed a very straightforward telling of the Cinderella story. And it works really well because of that, which I really was not expecting. I thought it did a really good job of telling a kind of guileless story without a hint of irony and uh, kind of selling it to the hilt, which really worked for me in a way that I was not expecting thinking of Cinderella as an inherently boring character. Uh, were you sold on this movie? Well, I agree with you that it is uh, void of irony. I mean, I think that's what Branagh is all about, right? I find his movies, after after watching Cinderella, I was kind of reflecting on his entire filmography. And I'm like, his movies are very earnest, which they have to be. If you're going to make Shakespeare into a movie, mm-hmm. you have to play it straight. You ha- He wants to deliver it straight and, and be earnest and like... Uh, swell up the romance and get into these evil doers and these these morally complex characters. You have to play it straight. Um, and and Thor is like that too. Like it just owns its silliness and it owns its inherent tragedy of of the Thor character. So that's kind of what Kenneth Branagh does, and he does it here with Cinderella. Unfortunately, Cinderella ain't Shakespeare. <laughs> um, Whoa! Here's a controversial statement: Cinderella, 1950, bad movie. Uh, I mean, I had I don't know that I've seen it. It's since I was really 10. boring. I mean, at least, and and I want to ask you this at the end of this segment. Uh, I want I want to compare some of the princess movies and get your take on the best and worst. But I'm just going to put it out there that Cinderella is the worst Disney princess movie. Perhaps uh, I just found it. I found it as a kid to be really boring, and I continue to think it's really boring um, because nothing happens. 
right? She just kind of like drifts around and enjoys her parents and then they lose her and then she goes through all this sh- shit in the kitchen and then she gets her dream. I mean, the fairy godmother in both 1950 and 2015 versions shows up, does her thing, leaves. Has nothing to do mm-hmm. with anything. And it's just mm-hmm. totally out of the blue. Sends her to the ball and she comes home. I mean, it's exactly the same story. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Um, but damn it. They're very charismatic in this movie. <laughs> Lily James is a beautiful woman. She's a good actress. Um, and and Richard Madden is also a dapper guy who they can play up the romance. I mean, it's it doesn't have to be progressive or reconsidering what, you know, being a princess movie in, in 2015 is all about. It really just plays it straight. And that does work some wonders. Uh, it's a gorgeous movie. I mean, the designs in the castles and in the, the forests and in this farm home that uh, that Kate Planchette has Lady Tremaine, the evil stepmother. Oh my stepmother, god, I can't believe it took us this long to bring up Kate I know, Planchette. who is just phenomenal in everything and continues to be phenomenal, doing her best mommy dearest here in, oh uh, in Cinderella. It's so perfect. But I mean, the, the quality of everything they've designed and built, too. I think that's the key here. Maleficent was this CG monstrosity directed by a visual effects supervisor who got bumped up to director. And, and it was in 3D and it looked like garbage. I mean, it just looked bad and bubbly. And Cinderella has real whimsy to it, I think, partially because they built a lot of sets. And the design is impeccable. I mean, you go into this farmhouse. I mean, Cinderella's parents, uh, before they die, are very, you know, affluent. And and, and um, they're not regal, but I think her dad is like an explorer. So their house is full of he's riches. A, he's a and, salesman. He, he trades things. Yes, death of a salesman it has been incorporated into Cinderella. <laughs> um, but their house is lavish. And, so, and the palace, even more so. And oh, my God, the costumes and everything is just so... Beautiful and striking, and and Branagh just kind of shoots it. I mean, it kind of at times it looks like Hamlet, uh, with more color, the eye popping color. Jesus, everything yeah. is so colorful and sparkly. The dresses at the ball kind of make you want to just like pause the movie and stare at all of them individually. Yeah, Cinderella's dress is like electric blue and glittery, and then they dump like eight buckets of bo- uh, boob glitter on her breasts and everything. She's just like, well on, on her like collarbone. Let's that's. <laughs> It's still a yeah, but the dress is like movie. there's a lot of cleavage in, the, in that there is dress. A lot of cleavage. Well, I was talking about all the other dresses too. Like when they go to the ball, they have. I mean, the, every dress in the background is astonishing and noteworthy. Incredibly racially diverse crowd at the ball, which is That's a true. you know not a small thing. Like you get really like the the princess who uh, the prince's father wants them to marry is like you know has this like big Spanish like old timey like Spanish royalty head veil on. Like it's just cool it's like we are the world and also like gives children princesses who are, have their same skin tone which is a nice touch yeah cinderella is basically a living annie Leibovitz portrait um and and that's really all it's good for looking at i i really was not engaged by this movie very much and i wanted to be like i i didn't want it to have to twist hard i guess but i was looking for something of substance something that kind of drives it forward and nothing does nothing pushes this movie through its story except for the fact that we know the original cinderella so we know the beats we know exactly what to expect it's about seeing them realized in live action and for me that's not really enough uh i was actually impressed with the way that i mean i think the biggest challenge with cinderella that they kind of like 
worked with without going too hard on is that Cinderella's entire personality is niceness, that she kind of puts up with these horrible things from these people. Yes. And then, like you said, like the fairy godmother shows up and rescues her and then she gets everything that she wants. She's an incredibly passive character. And she's not an unpassive character in this, which at first I'm kind of sitting there waiting for her to do something because she's just kind of putting up with all of this abuse. But the entire motto of the movie that, you know, her father and her mother tell her before they die is have courage and be kind. <laughs> and which continues it, to make me laugh. It's so stupid. I don't know. I feel like it's really effective in saying that kindness is a for as a form of courage, like the ability to turn the other cheek as you're taught in Bible school or at the end of the movie when she turns to her evil stepmother and forgives her, like that version of putting up with adversity. I mean, it's not to go too high-minded. It's like what? It's Gandhi style, like the non, like the nonviolent resistance. Like it's not a political movie by any means, but it does, there is enough of that in there to make it clear that Cinderella isn't just sitting there putting up with it because she doesn't have the backbone to do anything else. She's doing it as a choice. Right. Which and is a really good change. her big choices come from change. understanding, right? Like she at one point tells her evil stepmother, like, I forgive you. And that's mm -hmm. the most devastating thing that evil Kate Bledchett can feel. And we she knows that she's kind of devastating her by saying that while also like doing the right thing. Like there's a, there's strategy to it. Right. Although I, I have to say that after Maleficent, I'm now wondering if there's a, an evil stepmother movie to be made because I started having real sympathy for Kate Blanchett. And yeah, they, they a do a good job with that too. Yeah, she tells the story in the movie about, you know, like, oh, look at you, you're living your dream and everything is going perfectly for you. That's so nice. Well, my dream was to, I married for love and then my husband died and then I married your father to keep my daughters afloat. You know, it was a little bit for money, but it was for my family and they died. So you know what? Fuck you, Cinderella. And I was yeah. like, you know what? Kate Blanchett, you are right. You are right. Fuck you, Cinderella. Shatter that glass slipper. Lock up the door. <laughs> Fuck Cinderella. Uh, yeah. It no, was, Kate, I mean, having Kate Blanchett that. as the fairy godmother or as the um, evil stepmother is just like such a huge gift to everybody who goes to see this movie. Like, her costumes are incredible. The way that she's filmed, I don't remember who the DP is, but like, Every shot of her is just spectacular work of art. I mean, you're talking about it being a good movie to look at. Like, I don't care when it comes to looking at Kate Blanchett in those, like, elbow-length gloves and hunter green jackets. She looks incredible. Yeah, and she's constantly, like, gesticulating with her hands. It's She has an amazing awareness of the frames that Brenog is setting up and, like, dancing through them or, like, opening her eyes wide or positioning her head in a certain place and then moving her hands around. So she's more theatrical. But And, and yet she never really goes overboard. It's definitely theatrical in the way I would describe Brenog's Shakespeare movies. It's, it's played up and it's leaning into character, but it's not like – it's not Mommy Dearest. I could, I could see – Kate Blanchett doing the remake of Mommy Dearest now that I've seen Cinderella, but it's not going that campy. Um, Although I would see that remake. Oh my just, God. Let's just, let's I would just love be that clear. Remake. I would love that remake. But, you know, uh, it's a testament to what Brano can do with actors to, to push them in that way and to, to be earnest and sweet. Um, and then also to include Derek Jacobi in the movie. Yeah. That's really the keystone that brings all together the the classic Shakespearean actor as the king. And there's a relationship between the prince and the king. Like you kind of see him dealing it with. It is interesting to have those scenes. I will give yeah, you Yeah. Like you've got him like trying to fulfill his father's wishes by only marrying a princess. And, you know, you have a meeting between the prince and uh, Cinderella in the woods. Like it's not the most in-depth thing. Like she's kind 
kind of standing up for the rights of a stag not to be killed. And she seems like kind of a drip, but they have a conversation. Like it's, you know, to make a modern Cinderella, you at least have to have them have a conversation and not dance all night. Right. Do Those are definitely sports. nice touches. I just don't get it. I don't get making this <laughs> it's not movie. For, it's not for you, to be fair. I know it's not. No, I know it's not for me. You know, when uh, Michelle, my girlfriend, and not I for left me the either. movie, you know, she said we both were kind of like, eh, yeah, yeah, that was okay. Um, but she said that little girls are going to love it. And that's probably They're going to go nuts. I mean, the design of the dress alone is like – it doesn't look like anything an adult human would wear. It looks like a five-year-old's, like, play chest. It's – so there's a lot of – because it's exactly the same movie as the 1950 version, I found myself, like, honing in on little moments in the movie that I was I, – I guess it provoked my imagination. I started asking logic questions or or what what happened during the scripting stage that allowed this these moments to take place. But one of them is – Cinderella's mother, who passes away at the beginning of the movie, who was played by Haley Atwell. Who yeah, who I did not recognize. So much to every movie. Like I adore that woman. She's so good in that little bit part in the beginning of this movie. She's very sweet. Um, but she used to wear this dress, and it's the dress that Cinderella has. It's this pink gown that she hopes to wear to the ball, but uh, you know, her stepmother rips it up, um, and she tells her fairy godmother when. Uh, Helen Bonham Carter is starting to transform everything for the ball. She says, oh, no, don't don't transform my dress. Like, this is the dress my mom wore, and I want it to be the same because I promised my mom I'd keep it, and it reminds me of her, blah, blah, blah. And then Helen Bo- Bonham Carter is like, okay, well, we won't change it. I'll just uh, fix it up for you. And she's like, thank you. And then tap, bibbidi-bobbidi-boop, the dress is completely different. It goes from pink to electric blue, and it is no longer just like a slinky dress. It is a gigantic ball gown and i'm like girl that is not the same dress wow complain complain what were you thinking you're really debating the qualities of magic yes well and then like oh so everything changes back but the glass slipper like what do we is is glass because glass was created purely of magic i suppose and i was confused about that part i'll be honest the movie insists that glass slippers are comfortable which i think Cannot be. Yeah, apparently she never wore them on her actual feet. Clearly they were, not. They were entirely CGI'd in her Whoa, feet. Whoa, really? Yeah. Clearly not comfortable, though. There's absolutely no way. Stop telling me they're comfortable. We know they're not. They're magic. They're magic. They're ma- I guess they're magic. You're right. Um, so Cinderella, it's a beautiful movie. I just don't get it. Is there a reason that we needed to see this in live action? You... At the beginning of my rambling, you said that this movie was not for me. So I guess it's for little girls, but, like, why... We have Cinderella 1950. Is that not a good movie anymore? Do we need that's something? An interesting, that's an interesting question. Mm. I don't know. I, I'm no, I don't remember these 1950 Cinderella that well, so I can't make too many arguments for it. I mean, I do think making Cinderella a slightly less passive character is worthwhile, and I wonder if maybe little girls who have seen Frozen would wonder the same thing seeing the original Cinderella. Maybe, but it creates problems because if if they're hanging out so much, what is the prince's problem? Like, why does he have to go through this search to find the slipper? Like, he spent serious time with her. He knows what she looks like. Go find her. You know, like, they meet in the forest early on in the in the picture, and why doesn't he just go back to the forest and look for her? Like, it doesn't really make sense when you start changing the relationships without going all the way, when it needs to follow this well-worn 
this well-worn path. It, it's it's a little problematic, not in a way that's destructive to the story or to anything that Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh is serving up, which is not a lot of uh, slanted shots, I should add. This is not a lot of no, canted no, angles. No, no, no more Dutch There's angles. a really good Dutch angle, actually, a kind of Dutch angle dolly shot as she's running out of the building, out of the palace, which is what I picked up on, but not a lot of them. Um, but I, I just think it gets really tiresome following the same exact movie again. And I guess as a as a person who loves animation, while I do not like Cinderella, I do know that Walt Disney, his the his favorite bit of animation that he was involved with was the trans the dress transformation in Cinderella. That was a very magical moment for him. It was a very important piece of animation. Um, and here they try and do it justice. It, it, it goes on for a little long. It goes on for so long, and she's like standing there twirling in place for some strange reason, and it just it doesn't have the same. It's not simple. It it's not simple enough, and I think that Kenneth Branagh's movie does get simple enough in places to find real joy, but doing it in live action, I don't really get it. It's not an exercise in simplicity or joy. Um, it doesn't Man. make sense to me. It, it worked for me. I and again, not having seen the other Cinderella anytime recently, I thought. It was surprisingly charming in its old-fashionedness, and I think that having seen enough things and enough adaptations kind of strain to be something different, to watch Cinderella kind of go through the paces and just do it elegantly and have Kate Blanchett kick an ass in the background works for me. Yeah. I'll take Into the Woods and Mirror Mirror over... Oh, mirror, straightforward mirror. Cinderella. Um, you wanted to throw down about Disney princesses before Oh, we yes. I did want to ask you what you thought the best and worst of Disney princess movies were. Oh, there's a bunch I haven't seen. I mean, what? I think I would... Oh, I mean, like I, I don't. I never saw Hunchback of Notre Dame. I don't remember Pocahontas that well. I don't think Esmeralda and Pocahontas are going to be at the top of your list. They're somewhere um, in the middle. Well, when you said worst, I just come trying to think of what worst was. I mean, I'm a big fan of The Lion King, but there's no princess in that one, so I would. I mean, I go with Beauty and the Beast. I think that's the obvious answer, but it's a really great one. Also, the original Sleeping Beauty is really solid. See, I really like Sleeping Beauty as well because. I don't know. There's an adventure there. There's like movement. There's a there's a drive to Sleeping Beauty. I guess I like it because it has dragons in it. Probably. Uh huh. You're a boy. And Cin- also, Cinderella uh, or no, uh, Aurora is not that interesting of a princess, but the movie no. as a whole is interesting. But Mulan Belle, is probably who, the best. Belle loved read books, and uh, girls who read books a lot appreciated her. Yeah, I've had too many of those like long feminist discussions with people now to really love Belle. Why have you been having long feminist discussions about Belle? Because Bell? you get drunk and have long conversations about Belle, don't uh, you? You're hanging out with different people than I am. Well, people have a problem that she gets like, she willingly locks herself up and stays in this man's castle. Like, run away. He's an awful man, right? Or something. <laughs> At um, the end? I don't know. It's complicated. <laughs> Let's have wrong. our own drunken yelling conversation Mulan, about Belle. Mulan is the best. Mulan. Okay. Or Tiana from The Princess and the Frog. I never saw that one either. Really? That is a beautiful Uh-oh. film. You're the reason 2- 2D animation died because you did not Probably. see The Princess and the Frog. I would have seen it for free for work. <laughs> That's how I saw it. Also, I'm a big fan of Elsa. Just going to put that out there. Oy, oy. Oh, actually, before, did you get to see um, the Frozen short the film? The Frozen short. Yeah, it's cute. I hated it. Oh, my God. Yes, you did. <laughs> not, I mean, the things that I like about Frozen are totally just decimated by this movie. The, really? There's there's a uh, cold doesn't bother me anyway joke in it. And I mean, the song that runs through this short film, what's it called? 
I have no idea. I can't. I could not sing you a single bar of it. Well, it's the song is awful. I mean, and and I understand that they probably didn't have very long to to put this film together, right? Because Frozen was blowing up in December 2013, which means they probably only greenlit this short in February 2014, and so they had to put an entire animated film that runs five minutes or so. Yeah, together in that amount of time, like write it, write a song and animate the whole thing. That's really hard. Um, yeah, and it definitely shows. I think I just think it's kind of a poor excuse to revisit these characters, and it's just I don't know. It didn't do it for me. I I, I want it to be better, especially I'm, because my girlfriend loves Frozen. I'm like, oh, serve her, serve, serve her something satisfying. I'm mentally flashing forward to uh, ten years from now, and you have a five year old girl, and you've watched all of this shit a hundred times. What if they never? What if I never show my child Disney princess movies? Would I be awful? The world will show your child Disney princess it's movies. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. Anyway, yeah. Cinderella. Maybe I'll show them Cinderella instead. Maybe you'll what Cinderella? Instead? I'll show them Cinderella. Oh, that's a Disney princess movie. No, the new Cinderella. Oh, the new one. That's also a Disney princess movie. And then I'll show them the new Beauty and the Beast starring Emma Watson coming in oh, 2016. and Dan Stevens. 16. Wait, really? Yeah. Dan Stevens the is the Beast? And Luke Wilson is uh, Gaston. What? <laughs> Luke Wilson is Gaston? This happened while you were gone. Holy <laughs> shit. This is now my most anticipated movie. I'm Luke so glad Wilson? Could... I'm so... Oh, no, no. Oh, God, no. Luke Evans. <laughs> oh. Oh, my God. Luke Wilson's Gaston That's makes much... no sense at all. Luke Evans as Gaston is awful. Luke Wilson <laughs> as Gaston is genius. <laughs> Is genius. I, Luke I Evans. Apologizing the entire uh, world. Not that Luke was Evans. Thing. He's the most <laughs> boring person on the planet. Well, Dan Stevens is as uh, the Beast. I think that's Here's my real rap question. Can they do a Lion King movie like these? <laughs> like, okay, we've made, remade Sleeping Beauty in live action, Cinderella in live action, Beauty and the Beast live action. Do you think you Why? can do Lion King, but like Why as the way they do, do the that? musical? Would people no, buy into why would you like do that? people dressed as animals but not that's actual not, animals? That's not what stagecraft is. It'd be cool. I also think why is Julie Taymor not directing Cinderella? I think you know because the movies that she's directed were bad. What? No, I saw Across the Universe. Across the Universe is good. Tempest is interesting at least. It I takes some takes some risks, some chances, and Frida is a good movie. I mean, oh, Julie, I forgot she directed Frida. Yeah, All right, Julie fine. Taymor. Like, I think Cinderella needed a a female touch, not not to that it needed to be like progressive or as you as we mentioned, it doesn't need to have any cynicism or irony or anything like that. I just think a female touch would have been good. Julie Taymor. How dare you? She's got the jaws. She can rip into it. Jaws. Cinderella, twenty fifteen. Needs jaws. Meets jaws. Cinderella versus jaws, twenty sixteen. <laughs> Before we get to our lightning round answer, or lightning round questions, uh, inspired by Run All Right, Run All Night patches. How's Run All Night? Run All Night is pretty darn good, I have to say. Um, I was I was really surprised because uh, what is his name, Jean Colette Sarah, has made some goofy movies in the past. Good, goofy but not movies. the goofy movie. Not the goofy movie, or yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> was there a sequel to the Goofy movie? Anyway, I don't, I don't want to get way off track here, as we already are. Uh, Jean Colette Serra, he made Unknown, which was about corn, and it was a lot of fun. And then he made Nonstop, which was about a plane, and that was fun. And now he's made Run All Night, which is about driving around in uh, Queens at night. And it is a lot of fun. And it's not just another Liam Neeson being a gruff badass movie it's not like taken at all um despite Liam Neeson being a gruff badass in the movie protecting his son Joel Kinnaman it's just a blast I mean I think that Jean Colette Sarah if he would stop using like awful CG transitions because he's a music video director at heart uh, he could actually make a movie like The Departed or something there's Whoa. real heart in Run All Night it is definitely a family story it is a it's a movie about fathers and sons and failures and successes and and Bad choices and ones that last a lifetime. And it is pretty – I mean, that that kind of moved me, I have to say. Plus, there's um, great car chases. There's some bloody action. There's, I mean, it's very well constructed. Um, but Liam Neeson and Joel Kinnaman in a room, that is, that is good drama. That's not just blowing people's face off with a revolver. Uh, that is some serious good acting. And all right. I, I, I'll I believe it when it. I see it. Yes. And minus CG, Run All Night is, is – it's pretty good stuff. Well, inspired by Run All Night, <laughs> what's your favorite movie with running in it? Nice tr- self-transition there. Um, I'm going to... transition uh, Our listener at Fred Lee 99 uh, named Rattle Off a few great ones. Marathon, Marathon Man, Last of the Mohicans, and of course, North by Northwest. I'm going to have to go with North by Northwest, which I did not think of earlier in the week. Um, you know, uh, Cary Grant running away from an airplane. It's amazing. It's, it's so one. iconic. Yep. Um, I'm going with uh, Amy Nicholson, who I believe we referenced when reading our answers, who just tweeted ahem and linked to the YouTube uh, supercut of Tom Cruise running. Because it's true, there really is no one better at running on screen than Tom Cruise. <laughs> Although we decided, I, I think this is not in the episode from last week, but that Mission Impossible 3 is the greatest. It's like an essay on Tom Cruise running. It's all I'm gonna to I'm going to tweet back at Amy right now and ask her if she agrees with that. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> we will not. Right. You'll have to find that answer on Twitter, everybody. Sorry. Um, okay. So that does it for this week's Fighting in the War Room. We'll be back next week, uh, probably not destroying your childhood to say that how much Patches hates Frozen, but maybe. I do. Oh, okay. I, <laughs> I do not like it. Uh, in the meantime, Patches, who are you? I'm Matt Patches. I am the senior writer at Esquire.com, where I will unfortunately not be writing about Cinderella because it's not exactly in our lens. So I took one for the team and saw it anyway. But, uh, and what else? I'm on Twitter, at Mr. Patches. And I'm Katie Rich. I'm at VanityFair.com, where I am writing about Cinderella because I interviewed Kenneth Branagh. Really? So, uh, yeah, read that. Oh, my God. That's huge. It was fun. He came into the office and everything. Oh, did you give him a hug? No, oh. I shook his hand and talked to him about how he wants to sail across the ocean on the QE2. What? Which I thought sounds awesome. He should make a movie about the QE2. I, well, he was like, I need to do like learning a role or something. I was like, don't you just want to play shuffleboard? Does he still no. act? I guess he was the villain in, in his Jack own Ryan. Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. Yeah, and he like he's been doing a BBC show, and I feel like he'll play King Lear before we know it. I hope so. That oh man, a movie version of that would be yeah. Excellent. Pitch that. Uh, anyway, you can find me there on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. That does it uh, for this week. We'll be back talking to you next week. <laughs>